SMS SAFM now on 41391. Sport tracks on SAFM with John with John, John, John Kirika. Remember, you can get involved with the conversation at any time, too. Huge guests coming up now. First of all, motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, and should we say mountain climber, Siba Sisu Valani joins us. Siba Sisu, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you much indeed for having me. I appreciate your time. Thank what, you. what does somebody who believes in no limits do during a national lockdown? Oh dear, dear, dear! Uh, ah, it, it's very difficult uh, to cope with the situation, uh, having summed it up so well. Because I probably would be taking my breaks, going to another big mountain. Mm. This is uh, Mandela Month, where we normally do the annual trip for Mandela Climb Kilimanjaro for caring for girls, mm. and that is not happening this year. So it is what it is. But uh, anyway, you have to do what you can while you can uh, control the things you can and then just uh, try and live with it, really. But it has been very tough um, since the pandemic started hitting the continent and things being closed down. I think it's to sum it up for me, COVID-19 just wiped out my year completely. I can't imagine it coming back very quickly, CBCC, with air travel always being the worry, accommodation, staying in hotels and things. It's almost as if your passion has been shut down completely. It has. It has, absolutely, John. Look, um, I I see other people trying to advertise things here and there. I hear things are easing off and then soon we will be back on, on, on track with the new normal and I'm um, I kind of think, I, I don't know what our mountaineers' new normal would be, really, because even if things will open up, I hear that you might have to stay in another country for at least two weeks um, in quarantine before you can embark on an expedition. So the question is, do I really bother to even go there? Mm-hmm. So for, for us adventurers, particularly we mountaineers who can't, really buy into this virtual stuff we we are stuck that's it it's done it's completely wiped out and it's very it's very difficult to really try and think uh out of the box to to do stuff i mean what else can you do really we love outdoors we love adventure and that is completely taken away from us uh, on a light on a lighter note so whenever you see pictures of you you have a mask on you've got something covering your face because it's so cold well, yes, absolutely. Well, <laughs> it does. It, it does. It does feel like every now and then you you look at it and say, "Well, we, we started doing this uh, mask on and on mountains and expeditions, mm-hmm. uh, social distancing. We do it that very well <laughs> because we always kept about a meter or two apart when we are roped up on an expedition. So those are practical things that have not been very difficult for me to adapt to and, and apply and adhere, adhere with. But the, the thing of like sitting down and being, I mean, I've never moved after Northbridge since returning from sure. South America uh, end of January this year. I've been sitting here since then. You can imagine how frustrating that is for a person who has always been out on the road, traveling around the country, traveling to other countries as well. 
it's been devastating, not easy to take. So what do you do? I mean, there's only so many steps and treadmills that an adventurer can go on. <laughs> I, I, I looked at it and I thought, well, that's probably why I've been watching all these little video clips. Right. Uh, people going quite crazy, climbing up uh, fridges and their <laughs> cupboards and walls in their room. It is just a frustration to try and ease off your mind. Look, what one had to come up with was to accept the fate and then and then obviously realizing that there's nothing that one could do other than just being locked down and therefore try and find things that will keep your mind busy because I think the biggest uh, enemy during frustration times is your mind, which can also be your best ally when it, things are working very well. Mm. It was trying to find something that can help you to control your mind. And for me, I had to come up with things that will make sense to me. I have a little, I had an indoor uh, little bicycle, and then I went, I couldn't run around my house. And people, uh, people did. I don't have that much space. So I had to find exercises that will, be, will keep me fit and, and healthy in the process. And then when the lockdowns were eased off, that we could actually run in a five kilometer radius, I say hallelujah, because then I could actually go and run. And, and then I had to, to do that. And now what my, my life now is really rise up in the morning, go for your morning run, mm-hmm. and then come sit down, read a book or write, which I've been doing, and then go out to rest, which is sleep, and then you do it all over again mm-hmm. the next day. It makes you live each day as you see it, really, yeah. not knowing what tomorrow might be. But one had to find that, and that it is just adapting to those things that have been tough, but you realize there's nothing else you can do. So the matter of trying to control your mind. Tell us about the book. Um, the, the book I'm working on is, I think, in a way, I was trying to find what would be a positive for me for uh, all the lockdowns and, and restriction movements. And I thought, well... Maybe it is time you sit down and sort of write about all that has happened in your life, uh, let's say, post-Everest 2005. Right. Because uh, my first book, The Talk From Nowhere, covers my life up until I reached the summit of Everest, and it ends there. And I've since done a lot since mm-hmm. then. So I've just been trying to write about all the things that uh, have happened. I'm not even halfway near there because there's so much stuff. But it has just kept me focused to say... You're looking forward to the next chapter, to the next page, and actually now I'm just uh, starting about uh, writing about the North Pole expedition, which I never thought I was going to do, and then I, I, I did it. So that's the chapter I'm working on at the moment. It, it's all exciting, but it's just a way to keep me focused and busy while I'm whiling away the, the year, really, because it's almost <laughs> yes. done. And then the challenge I have now is, do I have any hopes for next year? I don't I don't know. I'm stuck. I can't plan for anything next year because when you plan for expeditions, you either have to pay a deposit. And you can't do that when you are not certain you will definitely go. So I'm stuck with sure. nothing, really. Uh, pretty much 2021 will be exactly the same because I have to rethink. Uh, I have, always have to readjust every now and then. And then we mountaineers spend about months preparation and planning for an expedition. If, even if things were to, to ease off uh, beginning of next year, then you have the whole year to plan and then you won't do anything else. 
How do you remember stuff for your book? You've done so much. Did did you make notes along the way? Did you keep a diary? How do you how do you go back and go? Right, it was on this day and that, and I felt like this, and it was doing this. It's it's a very interesting one when 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 you ask that question because there are many times where I thought can't actually remember what happened on that day or on that particular night. Mm. How did it come about? But thanks, thank goodness, and thankfully, and I can highly re- recommend or suggest to anyone, if you've been thinking about it and you've not taken to it, do keep a journal when yeah. you go and do expeditions because the days will just go. So I've been, I write journals on all my expeditions. I've got nice little books and booklets which I have, which one day I would like to put them together as per civil cities on expedition based on the journals themselves. So I, I use them as reference. And I remember things that I otherwise forget, and I wouldn't remember that it, what happened. But it's when I go back to say, let's go and see what happened on that day, and then there it is on the journal. Then it sort of uh, brings back the memories and reminds me what happened, and I'm able to take it from there. You turned 50 in December. Are you ready for that? I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't... I don't I, I don't look it, but I feel it. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. But yeah, I know it's, 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 a, it's, it's a big milestone. When I look back to when I was a little young boy growing up in the bushfold, uh, walking barefooted, I never thought I would be counting to 50, but no, uh, the Lord in Almighty having been great, here we are. Looking at months before I get to that, it has been really amazing. And particularly when I look at what has one been able to achieve uh, purely by focusing on things and mm. being ambitious, really, to dream and think beyond your limitations of where you live or where you come from, uh, it's pretty amazing that um, at, at 50 I've done what I've done. And I know that I have a number of friends who are in, in, their, in their 60s and 70s were trying to do what I've done, one of which is a great friend, Arnold Fines, I think, last year, he's probably 70 plus, he was trying to do a seven summit, sure. which I've been able to do before I even was in 50. So it's quite remarkable that one has been able to do those things when others dream of doing and hope that, oh, maybe I'll make it as my 60th. But the challenge now is, what will I then do when I turn 70? <laughs> There's always something. You guys, you mountaineers, find things for no reason. You go, well, let's do that. I don't. Know. Yeah, what's it that? Does. The famous yeah. saying, isn't it? Why do you climb mountains? Because they're there. Because they are there. You know. Oh yeah, that's that's it. But but yeah, I've been very I've been very lucky um, that I have met this wonderful guys who does stuff. And when I look at them, I always put. My I compare my my age with the stars, and I realize mm. you know you, you're not anywhere near there. I mean, having mentioned seventy, I yeah. remember the other day that you find John Double who got me into climbing on his seventieth. Him and I were climbing Mont Blanc, and then he had sure. to take off on a parachute down the valley, uh. and I walked down, and I was like, okay, when you are seventy. You have got to come to Mont Blanc and do exactly like John has done when he's 70. It helps to look up to these guys because then you've got something to look forward to. Yeah, I always tell a story about my, my, my the last Cape Town cycle to a bicycle race that I rode. I hadn't trained. I was unfit. I was fat. And the lady, the, the oldest lady in the race was 85 years old. She beat me by 15 minutes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, if she beat you by 15 minutes uh, at 85, sure, you've yeah. got to go up there and be able to do it when you're 85. 
Yeah, so it's, so it's good to, that's, the, that's what helps a lot of us really to keep going because people ask, how do you keep going on these things? We mm. look up to other people and then you compare your age, you compare what you've done and realize, you know what, when I'm that age, when I'm 90, I'll probably be able to still run another comrade marathon, you know. Yeah, okay, mate, uh, we're going to get there in a moment. My guest is Siva Sisu Vellani. Uh, we're chatting about a number of things. I want to get into his ultra distance running in a moment. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 107.1 FM in Seapoint. All right, my guest, Siba Sisuvalani, besides climbing all the mountains and going everywhere around the world, uh, you decided that a mountain was too easy and you're going to do some Comrades Marathon, you're going to do the Two Oceans as well. Why not? That's the question. It's a question of why not? It's a question of if you have if not done it, why don't you do it? What's easier? Uh, that's what I, that's what I thought. Uh, if you tell me that I... Uh, right. So, so, I, so, I, so I, your, your, phone's, your phone's breaking up. Can I ask you just to maybe spin around and put a finger up in the air or something and maybe try and improve that signal? I know there's been I, load shedding. Uh, okay, so, so you, you were telling us why why'd you do it? it, it might not be Lord Shedding, maybe it is the wind. It's very <laughs> Yeah, also the wind, yes. <laughs> yeah. Why just do it? It's it, it, it just well also I was I'll talk about the comrades. I mm. think the Comrades Marathon was one of those events that I've been following for years and um I was challenged one day when I was watching it when a forty five year old was winning a comrade and I was sitting at home watching it. It didn't uh, appear nice that I was watching it yeah. sitting on the couch, so I thought, well, I would run it, and I thought I was going just to run the one comrade, but as most people will say, you run one comrade, you want to we'll definitely run the many because of the spirit of comradeship, you're being supported, being cheered by everyone. It's the one event. When I go to mountains, I don't have anyone to cheer me when I'm mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but comrades gave me that feeling of being uh, cheered along and everyone vouching for your success on a day gave me so much energy that I wanted to go and have that feeling every year. So I missed it this year. As a result, I decided to run what they marketed or advertised or put up as racing the comrade legend, which I did. Yes. I ran my half comrade, 45 kilometers, but it was very hard running alone. But yeah, I do it because I just feel it's one of the events that you, you want to be a part of if you are a South African. Mm. I've said that as well, and then I started running, and then I realized that every South African should watch the comrades. Have we lost Sibusisu? Yep, we seem to have lost Sibusisu. Their phone line. I'm with you, John. There, I'm there, with you. there we go. All right. Uh, let's, let's hopefully that stays. Okay. So, 50 years old, you got the book coming. You're under lockdown. What more is there for you to do? No? All right, oh, what, All right Ben. What's more for me to do, John? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've got a lot to do, John, particularly on, on inspiring Africans to dream and, and, and doing that literally by doing stuff. Mm. I have ideas in my head. All right, no, we're going to... Uh, Siba Siso, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Uh, ben, let's see if we can get Siba Siso on the line. There's plenty more to talk about with Siba Siso Vellani. Uh, motivational speaker, inspirational speaker, and obviously that's uh, going to focus on that. And then I want to talk to him a little bit more about the, uh, the what Mbulule Budaza and I were talking about earlier, about how anybody can do any sport. Uh, Mbulele said that anybody can do it.
Bolelo said that anybody can do anything if you put your mind to it, which is always difficult in South Africa. When you say that in South Africa, the first thing you go to go, yeah, but what about really, really poor people? What about people that have nothing? How can they go on and be the best? We're going to talk about that in a moment. Hopefully that line is better now. Sibu Sisa, uh, you were telling us what you're going to do next. All right. No, that line seems to have given up. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to end that there. Uh, yeah, weather playing havoc with the uh, with the lines and the telephones and the cell phone signals. Uh, and I know there's been some load shedding in the areas as well. So that's always going to have interesting uh, battery backup issues. So hopefully we'll get him back on the line. If not, let's move on.